0: first day was celebrated as Ascension Day in some church traditions, the day that Jesus went back to heaven. With this in mind, here are the Scottish festival singers with Look ye saints, the sight is glorious.
1: had written a 100 poems by the age of 14 and her first book of poetry was published when she was 15. Michael Barclay talks to Caroline about the problems she's faced and the way
2: this experience feeds into her poetry been very honest about the pain in your own life um after that early success being published while you were still a teenager it all began to go wrong and by the time you were at oxford you were struggling with addiction
3: yeah i mean it's um i applied to university three times before i got in i there was quite there was a long path to me getting there i uh, like i said i kind of flunked my a-levels and then i redid them in a college and then and then yeah i applied to cambridge and then then to oxford twice and eventually i got in um and i was on my third book of poetry by that point and um uh, i was working really hard and i was uh i was doing performances and kind of living at 100 miles an hour work-wise um uh, but also struggling hugely with depression you know i i i remember uh I just thought it was normal that when you were on your own... This is partly to do with my fear... This is partly why I had the fear of classical music because I thought it was normal that when you're on your own and you just breathe, it feels like you're breathing out sadness. And I thought that's what everyone had as a kind of neutral emotion, was just sadness for no reason. And that you had to do something to make that pain go away you know and yes yeah, so then i started really struggling with addiction especially my last year at uni and and i got really i nearly died and um my my i was lucky enough that that my parents were able to help and and i ended up in a yeah a rehab in um in the arizonian deserts which was quite the experience And one day mm. I'll, i mean, i have written a poetry about it but i will write more but um And there they diagnosed me with depression and and they gave me an antidepressant. And I remember when it started working and it was such, it was so surreal because I remember I woke up in the morning and I looked at the ceiling and I felt like neutral. I I didn't feel numb. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel good. I just felt like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen today. Mm. And I'd never felt that. I'd never felt uh, a kind of, uh, yeah, a feeling of neutrality before. And after that, it really did change my life. You know, it just, you know, obviously corrected some chemical imbalance that was causing this huge amount of sadness for no
2: reason. Mm. Bizet next, and uh, it's his opera Carmen, as updated by Oscar Hammerstein, to Carmen Jones. Um, Now, this is set in a southern American town during World War II, but I think you probably heard a lot of it when your mother, Jude Kelly, was directing it. Uh, Yeah. What brought you to choose this particular aria, originally the Habanera?
3: okay so so this one Carmen Jones I must have seen about um 30 or 40 times because I was working as an usher at the Royal Festival Hall at the time and and yeah Mom had directed it and every night it would feel thrilling and it's what's also uh, amazing about Carmen Jones and Carmen is it is such a problematic story you know there's that feeling of that this femme fatale character being punished for her sexuality. And yet, that the problematicness of it, it doesn't stop it from hitting you right in the gut every time.
4: I won't pick up the man
2: Carmen Jones, using music from the Bizet Opera. We heard Wilhelminia Fernandez on that 1991 recording, a cast recording conducted by Henry Lewis. An aria all about love and its infernal problems. And the overwhelming power of a new love affair takes us really to the heart of your work, Caroline Bird. You write a lot about love and your own relationships. Do you ever feel rather exposed?
3: Um, you do have to trick yourself during a first draft that no one's ever going to read it, you know, that you are just inside this forest that has no end and you'll never have to answer for what you've written. And then, and so that helps you be brave in the first draft, helps me be brave. And then, and then after that, you know, you do sometimes think, oh gosh, you know, um, what they what what are they going to think of this? Um, most of the time, people have been flattered by poems that I've written about them. But I'm sure, especially now that I've got a, a young son, like uh, I haven't written that many poems about him yet, and I am I am worried about <laughs> about that. But he'll just have to deal with it. <laughs>
0: Hi, and potentially what an embarrassment to a young man when his mum writes poems about him. Michael Barclay was talking there to Caroline Bird. And for Health Awareness Week, here's a hymn. It was written by someone who suffered badly from what nowadays would probably be called depression. So bad to the extent he was literally suicidal at times. William Cowper or Cooper. Here are the Edinburgh University singers with, Oh, for a closer walk with God.
1: Adrian Plass has written a book called The Unlocking, published by the Bible Reading Fellowship. They have given us permission to broadcast his recordings, and we hear one of them now.
5: Lifted by Love Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. I loathed myself, my face, my body, and my defensive sarcasm. I'd been expelled from school for truancy, and I had neither a job nor any visible prospect of getting one. The chaos inside my head was really quite frightening. Miserable and unpleasant, I was definitely the sort of lad my mother didn't want me to go round with. Then I was introduced to a married couple who lived in a secluded cottage near Wadhurst. Their home was a place of log fires, oil lamps, interesting books, stimulating conversation, and, as far as I was concerned, total acceptance. Murray and Vivian took the loaves and fishes of my better self and believed in me so wholeheartedly that in their presence at least that better self flourished and grew to a point where I actually began to believe I could be worth something. I find it very uncomfortable to remember how I viewed my relationship with Mary and Vivian after I became a Christian. The three of us were accustomed to talking happily into the early hours, sifting through various options for belief and commitment without seriously considering the possibility that we might actually adopt any of them. They received the news of my conversion with little enthusiasm for a number of reasons, and for a year or more, we hardly met. My discomfort is caused by the fact that it took over 20 years for me to realise that it was God who gave me Murray and Vivian at a time when I really did need to be saved by their almost unconditional support. In the 60s, all pre-conversion relationships and events were non-Christian and bad, whereas everything that occurred after conversion was Christian and good. It seems extraordinary now that I could have assumed God's non-involvement in something as important as my relationship with the Staplehursts, whose unqualified support was the first and most practically effective step in the salvation of Adrian Plass. Nowadays, I thank God properly for them, and I always will do. In Levi's case, encouragement came from the master in person. Jesus himself had said, follow me to this man who would have been regarded by most folk as a rat. A great hope swelled in his heart. He was a failure in almost every way that really mattered, but the Lord believed in him. What a banquet there must have been. Pray with me. Father, there must be many people who at this very moment need the kind of support that I got from Marian Vivian. Thank you so much for the people like them who do build others up. And please forgive me for sticking stupid labels on your gifts.
2: Amen.
0: Adrian Plus with a chapter from his book, The Unlocking. We heard about Jesus calling Matthew to follow him there. We'll continue with that theme as Robert Coaches sings John Bell and Graham Moll's song, set to the tune Kelvin Grove. It's Will You Come and Follow Me If I But Call Your Name?
6: Should your life attract or scare, will you let me answer prayer? follow you and never be the same. In your company I'll go where your love and footsteps show. the song will
0: with a song I've chosen in connection with Ascension Day. It is, I know that my Redeemer lives.
1: has written a series of meditations based on the psalms. Today we hear Malcolm's thoughts on Psalm 15. It's followed by Handel's Concerto Grosso, played by the English Concert under their conductor
6: Trevor Pinnock. A response to Psalm 15.
0: The fool will fall before their joyful song, but maybe I will fall with him as well. You know me, Lord. You know how much I long to rise with you, how much I long to dwell within your tabernacle, to ascend the path that glimmers on your holy hill. But you know too how much I just pretend to virtues not my own. I am not fit for that ascent. I fail unless you lend your strength and take my life and make of it a new life altogether. Oh, descend into my darkness Lift me from the pit and set me on the way that you intend, however slow and spiralling the path. Then help me, step by step, my guide and friend.
1: Ian Ramsden is a retired minister who lives near Glasgow. He's a regular visitor at Pitlochry Church of Scotland. Ian usually ends the service with an uplifting short talk.
7: Here's one about trusting God. There was a man, his name was Jack, I don't know if that makes any difference. He was walking along a steep cliff. When he accidentally got too close to the edge and slipped over, on the way down he grabbed a, a branch which temporarily... Stopped his fall. He looked down to saw to his horror that the cliff fell straight down for many, many hundreds of feet. He couldn't hang on to the branch forever. He could see the ground beginning, the earth beginning to loosen. And there's no way for him to climb up the steep wall of the cliff. So Jack began yelling for help, hoping that some passerby would maybe lower a rope or something. Help, help, is there anyone there? He shouted. He shouted for help what seemed like hours, but no one heard him. And he was just about to give up when he heard a voice. Jack. Jack, the voice says, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm down here. He looked around, could see nobody. Are you all right? Yes, but who are you and where are you? The voice said, I am the Lord, Jack. I am everywhere. The Lord, do do you mean God? That's me. God, please help me. I promise if you get me down from here I'll stop sinning I'll be a good person I'll serve you the rest of my life I promise God says easy on the promises Jack let's just get you down from here then we can talk now the first thing I want you to do and you have to listen carefully <clears throat> is let go of the branch and trust me to let go there was a long silence and finally Jack looked up and said help help is there anyone else out there I wonder if you've ever felt like Jack. We say that we want to know the will of God. But when we find out what it is, what he calls us to do, we can't handle it. It's too scary, too difficult, too much like hard work. I could never do that, we think. And so we decide to look elsewhere for help. Jesus offered his life for you. He offers us his hand to lift us up. But do we grasp it with both hands? A good part of discipleship is simply trusting in God. Trusting that he knows best. He knows what's best for us. He will always be there for us. He's always watching over us. Billy Graham, he had so so many wonderful sayings I'd like to just pass this on to you. He said this to a congregation. He said, I've read the last page of the Bible and it all turns out okay in the end. You know, it's a wonder, we wonder how things are going to pan out for us. What's life going to be like? Is there going to be another life from here? Well, you have the absolute promise that things, as grim as they may look at certain times, turn out all right in the end. That's a promise for us. The book of Revelations, a new earth, a new heaven, a new life. That's a promise. And so the promises of Jesus at the end times are precious. And he says that you're precious to him
0: too. And when those end times come... You will be safe. Ian Ramsden talking at a service in Pitlochry Church of Scotland. A Welsh tune now but without a Welsh male voice choir in sight. This is Arthur Blanche with through the love of God my saviour all will be well.
8: All will be well. Ours is such a full salvation. All.
1: Wilson Black is a minister in Alexandria next to Washington, D.C. She preached at Bitloughry Church of Scotland and included a story about her experiences visiting pastures, big trees.
9: Trees breathe in carbon dioxide and produce oxygen in its place. We breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. So we have this incredible relationship with trees. And even the inside of our lungs resembles a tree. So I've been thinking about trees because we have been walking in Perthshire big tree country. And I understand that this area is well known for its trees. On the back of this brochure, it tells me that Perthshire Big Tree Country has Scotland's most spectacular trees and woodlands, where there are lots of different experiences to discover and enjoy. So we have been exploring some of the big trees in this part of the country. Last week, we went to Dunkeld and walked among the big trees near the cathedral that were planted by the Duke of Athol along the river. Including the parent larch, which was one of five trees that was brought here in the 1700s. The seeds from that larch tree have gone on to populate all of the larch trees in the country. So... It was astounding to see that parent larch tree. We also are hoping to go see the Fortengall Yew, the 3,000-year-old tree not far from here, Europe's oldest living thing. And we're also looking forward to seeing the Burnham Oak, the sole survivor of the Burnham Wood, made famous by Shakespeare in Macbeth. So there are many trees of note in this area. But all of these trees are part of what uh, enables us to live in a healthy environment. And it reminds me that in scripture, we also hear of trees spoken of as living, breathing things. A little later in the service, we're going to sing a hymn based on Isaiah 55, 12, for you shall go out in joy. And be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands and join us in praising God by doing what they were created to do breathing in carbon dioxide, breathing out oxygen just as we are praising God by doing what we have been created to do. So, as you go out this week, take note of the trees around you and remember that they are part of the creation that God has made to live always in praise and glory.
0: Hi, Julie wilson Blake, taking a service at Pitlockry Church of Scotland. She said that they'd finish with You Shall Go Out With Joy, so here it is, as sung by the All Souls musicians. It's fairly short, short, so we'll follow it with another about seeing God in nature. It's Christine Getty and Creation Sings.
10: Till evening falls and crimson waves His finger prints with flakes of snow His brass upon the spinning globe It charts the eagle's flight, Commands the newborn bay
0: friends i chose this one with ascension day in mind as well it's looking for a city